It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to discuss Anthony Black's NBA draft profile and projection. Is he the best playmaker in this class? Do the Thunder need Anthony Black and Pokashevsky's injury update all coming up on today's show? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are diving into another NBA draft prospect profile and projection. This time, it's Anthony Black. We're going to start our draft dash. Does the Thunder need Anthony Black and Poku has some injury news. So today's show is going to mark our draft dash. What's a draft dash, you ask? Well, you know that we're locked on Thunder Monday through Friday, but from now through the draft, we will be doing seven shows a week about the draft. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're going to go through draft profile and projections. We're going to have interviews uh, and kind of sift through all the smoke screen that happens throughout this draft process. Today's show, obviously, about Anthony Black. On Saturday, you're going to hear about Derek Lively. On Sunday, you're going to hear about Rand Repair. On Monday, it'll be Balai Kulabale, who is the hottest topic around the Thunder universe right now. Who do you want to hear about on Tuesday? Drop below in the comment section of this podcast and also on Twitter at Ryland underscore style subscribe across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube, because we're here for you literally every day now through the draft. Alexei Pokashevsky's injury news. He fractured his humorous bone. He's out four to six weeks, even on the worst case scenario of this timeline, four to six weeks. 
He's back on the court by the end of July, and the season starts in late October. This injury news does not mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. He's gonna, he's gonna, it's as if it's as if he has just stopped, you know, training and and went on a vacation for a second, as players do. You wouldn't have even known about it, except for, of course, the Thunder had to report it by rules. It's fine. I, I don't think that this means anything in the sense of the more important indicator is the fact that he is extension eligible this offseason and the fact that Sam Presti rarely lets players hit restricted free agency. Last year, you know, Baisley goes through the whole offseason, uh, no contract, you know, agreed to, plays up until the deadline as a restricted free agent, and he's traded. You know, that that kind of stuff happens a lot with Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. So the, the bigger indicator to me is if you get through this offseason and there's no contract extension, which there likely shouldn't be and likely will not be. So it comes down to next season, Poku might look as good as he looked pre-leg injury. He might look bad, but this has no bearing on it. The fact that he's not training for four to six weeks will have no bearing on Pokushevsky's future, will have no bearing on the Thunder's future, and just does not matter. So everyone got a little bit too overzealous yesterday of like, oh, you got to cut ties with him. Oh, he's always injury prone. It's four to six weeks in July. Who cares? This will not be a blip on the radar for why Pokashevsky will or will not be on this team in the future. I think if everyone had to take a guess right now, everyone would be leaning more towards Pokashevsky is not part of the future plans for Oklahoma City more so than he is, but this arm fracture does not mean that it's over, does not really mean anything. Again, there are other indicators uh, that are far more important, in my opinion, than just the fact that he is sidelined with with an arm injury for four to six weeks. End of the day, we'll see where this goes with Pokashevsky. If I had to guess, they'll play out next season. He'll be a restricted free agent, and he'll be one of the kind of you know, kind of outliers, if you will, where he's somebody that does go to restricted free agency and the Thunder have to make a call at that time. So we'll see. We'll see uh, what ends up happening with Pokashevsky. But this arm injury should not change your opinion of him. No matter what your opinion was Monday, it does not change today just because we now know that he has an injury. It just doesn't really matter at all. Let's get into our draft profile. Anthony Black, out of Arkansas, 6'7", 210 pounds, uh, Great wingspan as well. 19 years old. He is out of Arkansas. A tall playmaker with a great athletic gift is what I would describe Anthony Black as. He is a 12-point-per-game score, five rebounds per game, four assists per game, two steals. Shooting splits, here's the big problem, 45, 30, 70. Now, he does hit that 70 plateau, which we'll talk about later on, but the 30% from three does have people concerned uh, with what he can do on the offensive end. What are the strengths of Anthony Black's game? He is an elite ball handler. Elite ball handler. I love how shifty he is, the way that he can break down defenses. He is a great ball handler. He's an elite passer. He has he checks every box as a passer. He has great feel. He has great touch. He has great accuracy. He has great placement. He is an advanced decision maker. He reads the defense like a quarterback would. That passing trait cannot be undersold. And when you combine it with his ball handling, it, cr- it makes him just this great playmaker. 
which is highlighted by his unreal ability to work in the pick and roll through screens and capitalize at the rim for himself and create advantages for Arkansas in the pick and roll. I loved his touch around the rim and ability to finish through contact at Arkansas. That That is part of why he was so good in the pick and roll. He plays with that edge, that chip, that swagger, that dog in him. Whatever it is you want to say about him, he plays with great offensive force and, and this and this intensity about him that allows him to, to mix it up and score at the rim and allows him to uh, succeed on both ends of the floor. You can run offenses through him. That's a huge strength for him. You can run half-court stuff through him. You can run ATO stuff through him. He gives you so many options whenever you run plays through him. That would be huge for a secondary unit right away on any team in the NBA. And of course, he's going to be he's going to be picked pretty high. He'll be picked by a team that does not need him to be a secondary unit guy. But even if he was picked by a said team, he could really help your secondary unit at worst. Going back to the playmaking and passing and dribbling and everything else, I love how patient and under controlled that he is. It allows him to get deeper into plays, deeper into the paint before he decides to kick the ball out for an assist. And he's not often is he sped up. He does get set up, sped up sometimes, but it's it's very rare that he is kind of not the one in control. That pacing of his is very, very good. Really good in transition. I like the hit-headed passes that he has. Uh, and again, it cannot be undersold just how great his ball placement is to capitalize for his shooters and his scores to play finish on these passes. Defensively, very high motor, great length, great engagement, great effort on defense. I think that when you look at him on defense, the steals pop out to you because his length and his ability to pick your pocket and play the passing lanes is great. The motor is fantastic. The engagement is fantastic. Those are things that you look for whenever you're evaluating defense because if you can be engaged and, and give effort defensively, then you can be a good defender. Specifically, if you do those two things that he does, plus you have the length he has, plus the frame. I think that when you put him in an NBA environment with NBA coaches, with an NBA developmental staff, when you give him all those things with, with what he already brings to the table defensively, he can be a high-end defender in this league. He's a really good rebounder for his position. That, of course, translates to the NBA. One of the most you know, easy skills to, to apply from college to the NBA is rebounding. He does that at a very high level, level for his position. He's a great cutter off ball, which helps him fit in offensively, even though his shot is a concern. But he has shooting upside. So let's get to that. 30% from three, big concern. But NBA teams look at that uh, free throw line percentage more than the three-point percentage to determine if you can have shooting touch and if you can uh, you know, project to be an outside score. He hit that 70% plateau. Catch and shoot numbers, 35% on the catch and shoot jumpers. And he's shown an ability and a willingness to change his jump shot. Those are three major keys, in my opinion, for why his jump shot is less of a concern than maybe you know, someone else's in this draft that you might not you know, love their, their shot. So I, I am enthralled by the fact that he has that shooting upside. Plus, if we're talking in the scope of the Thunder, the Thunder have Chip England. And so like that's going to be your fallback whenever they do start to check some boxes as an upside shooter. The fallback's going to be Chip England for, for all of this stuff. But his game is so smooth. It's like jazz music. I've, I've tweeted this out before. Like when you're watching him play, it's as if jazz music should be playing in the background because you know, it just fits so well. But he checks so many boxes and does so many things at an extraordinarily high level that, in my opinion, the initial 
sticker shock of drafting him, right? Like if the Thunder were to trade up and they were to draft Anthony Black, the first thing that you're going to see is the price tag of like, oh, we gave up X amount of first round picks to draft Anthony Black who cannot shoot and we have too many guards who cannot shoot and, and just it's too redundant. No. In my opinion, the Thunder have four extraordinarily good players and the rest of their 17-man roster can be upgraded upon. Now, if there's varying degrees, five through 17, there's varying degrees of how easy it is to upgrade that position because of how good they are. But there's only four guys who you should be like, eh, they're untouchable. They're guys that we need to draft around. They're guys that we need to, you know, kind of worry about for the future. The rest could be great pieces, could be important pieces, could be fantastic pieces, but they're not pieces that are that are unfathomably good where you just cannot remove them from the rotation or this roster. So you have four really good players out of 17. Anthony Black produces at such a high clip on everything besides shooting, which does hinder his game, and we'll get to that in a second, that if you were to get the the word go from, say, Chip England, like, oh, yeah, I think that we can tweak enough with this jump shot, you should absolutely take Anthony Black because of everything we just laid out of how good he is at every other aspect of his game. So I don't buy into the fact that the Thunder would, would have to sell out for just this one archetype of player because they have too many guys who are like Anthony Black because I don't think that they do. And this is just the first step of constructing a team. This is the first step of building what you're going to see in October. Let's remember that. The Thunder have picked 12, 37, and 50. Let's just assume that they stay right there, do not make any trades or anything like that. It, it obviously would take Anthony Black off the table, but let's just stay with me here. Let's just assume that they do that. They cannot fill every need that they have in this draft. There's not enough players and, and good players that can fill those needs this year and make an impact in this season. I say that in the way of saying this. This time last year, no one was even thinking about acquiring Isaiah Joe. He wasn't in trade machines. He wasn't in conversations of like, what if the, the Sixers cut him? Nobody even thought about Isaiah Joe being on the center team. Fast forward to October. October is when they acquire Isaiah Joe. He becomes the most important rotational piece on this roster, the best shooter on this roster. This stuff is going to take time. You're going to be putting together this team from now through seven years from now is how long you're going to be comp compiling talent for this core. So just because at pick 12, they didn't fill every single need of rebounding, shooting, whatever else you want to put on the table, it doesn't mean that they're done building a roster or that it was a failure or that they shouldn't you know, look at these players. They're still in a, in a position, going back to the whole four out of 17 thing, they're still in a position right now where they should be trying to get the very best player that they possibly can. Whoever they think in the next two, three years will develop into the best player in this draft at that, at that position is who they should take. It should not be trying to fill a void. And it might be a guy like Grady Dick, who I think is a fantastic fit and I think is a high-impact player, and I think would be the best player on paper for the center team if they could somehow get Grady Dick, for sure. But that shooting archetype is not the only thing you should look for in this draft. So it's interesting to talk about Anthony Black and moving up to get him, but he also presents a bigger picture point of this is just step number one. There's free agency. There are trades. There are, we, we like to discuss that, like, oh, Sam Presti can just magically pull things off, but then we put him in a box and say, okay, well, you've got to take at 12 the perfect player, or else this whole roster construction is over and a failure for this offseason. Let's see what happens. Because we didn't foresee Isaiah Joe coming, and we didn't foresee once Isaiah Joe got here 
that he would be what he ended up being. I was very high on him myself. You can go back and check the podcast and check the articles at thundersensations.com. I was very high on him and giving him a shot and, and, and loving the ability of upside that he brought, but no one could have foreseen him shooting 45% from three. So this is just step number one. This pick right here, no matter if you move up, move back, stay at 12, whatever, this pick right here is not going to define the roster no matter who that they pick in this draft and for next season coming up let's get to his weaknesses let's get to what he needs to improve upon for anthony black if the thunder were to trade up slide up and go get him but first once here right now but good friends over at fanduel folks fanduel is incredible fanduel is great and you know what if you are a new customer they're even better because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. So check it out today by going to fanduel.com slash lockdown. And once you do that, you can start placing your bets. And they have everything. They have the NBA Finals. They have MLB. They have the Stanley Cup Finals. They have the PGA Tour. They have the French Open, soccer, NFL, WNBA, racing. They have it all. Let's just look at the NBA Finals. Game number two. After the Nuggets got game number one fairly comfortably in game number two on Sunday, the Heat are eight and a half point underdogs in Denver. Do with that information what you will, but whenever you whatever you do with it, go to fandle.com slash locked on and get yourself that no sweat first bet up to $2,500. Check it out today, fandle.com slash locked on. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Here for you, talking Thunder Basketball, first edition of our Draft Dash, where we go through and just hammer through prospects from now through the draft, we've already done a lot of draft content. You can go find a whole playlist on YouTube of all of our draft episodes from this um, cycle. Also, last cycle as well, if you're interested in hearing about that. So check it out today. Lockdown Thunder YouTube and wherever else you get your podcast from. So Anthony Black, the weakness is he cannot shoot. And that is a big weakness. And he does have upside. He does have, he does have potential to become a better shooter. But the here and now is he cannot shoot. So how does that impact your spacing? How does that impact the lineups in which you use him in, that is an important bridge to cross when you're talking about Anthony Black. I think that the the biggest weakness for him, for him is not the shooting necessarily, but it does tie into his biggest weakness. The biggest weakness is not just, oh, he shot 30% from three. The biggest weakness is he shot 30% from three. He also cannot score in isolation. He cannot create a bucket for himself. And that, I think, limits him more than his shooting. Because you can be an average or below average three-point shooter, if you can do 
other things well. And he does other things well, but let's say you put him in charge of the second unit. Let's say the Thunder move up to go get him. And they want to take the, the load off a little bit of Josh Giddy and SGA because in lineups where they're not on the floor, the team sometimes spirals falls apart, obviously. So instead of having to stagger them and have them on the floor, one of them on the floor every minute of the 48 minutes, let's see what we can do if we get Anthony Black here and, and run that secondary unit for this first, you know, first rookie season for Anthony Black. If he cannot score in isolation, doesn't that look a lot like the same lineups we saw last year? And, and, and so I would wonder what it looks like if, if, if he plays in the NBA without being able to score in isolation, which I think they'll have to do at least as a rookie. And I think that a lot of that has to do with his shooting because you can kind of sag off of him and not and not play him tight on the perimeter. Now, he makes up for that by being able to score at the rim at a high clip. I, I really like his rim scoring uh, shot 58% at the rim, and the pick-and-roll stuff really helps him. Uh, so that is a huge plus for Anthony Black and for um, this Thunder you know, idea of, of going and getting Anthony Black is his rim scoring and ability to score in the pick-and-roll. Now, another weakness for him is that I think that he defaults to the drive too much. Because he can't score on the perimeter. And he, I don't really love his mid-range game. And when he defaults to the drive too much, he kind of just hammers home into traffic and it, it makes him go out of control, turn the ball over, uh, not finish at the rim, and just kind of into possession. But he's just saying, okay, I got to drive some put my head down and go, to the, go through the trees. And sometimes it's not the best route to go or go to that too quickly of like, okay, I'm, I'm on the floor. Let's say that, you know, I'm on the floor by myself don't have my my normal guys around me, so it's all on me to score. I'm just going to barrel in to the rim and see what happens. I think that that happened a little bit too much uh, at Arkansas. We'll see if that kind of habit gets fixed. But overall, the the two concerns I have for him is his shooting ability and his scoring ability in isolation. That's it. And you're never going to craft this perfect prospect. So um, those are two flaws that are important, and those are two flaws that, that would have to be corrected at some point in his career sooner than later. But given... The fact he shot 30% at the line, given the fact he shot 35% on catch and shoot opportunities, given the fact that he's willing to change his shot and, and would be in this world sphere paired with one of the best shooting coaches of all time in Chip England, it kind of lessens the, the weaknesses a little bit in this world. But they are there and they are important. Uh, he loves the way that OKC plays, I think. I think that he would fit right in with the way the OKC plays with all the cutting action and everything else that they do. Uh, synergy numbers. 65th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler, 50th percentile in transition, 74th percentile on cuts, 89th percentile on offensive putbacks, uh, shot 58% at the rim, uh, 80th percentile as a, a defending spot-up shooter, 89, uh, 69th percentile defending off screens, 65th percentile defending in isolation, and 83rd percentile in overall, um, in overall defense. So that was encouraging for Anthony Black, 83rd percentile in, in overall defense for him at Arkansas. Where is he available? Where is he available in these mock drafts? The Ringer has him at six. ESPN has him at eight. The Athletic has him at eight. Bleacher Report has him at 12, as does CBS. Uh, NBC has him at eight. DraftNet has him at five. Tankathon has him at, has, has him at nine. I have him at nine. And Mavs Draft has him at eight. So you're seeing anywhere from six at the Ringer all the way down to 12 um, and anywhere in between of those two ranges at the uh, current mock drafts and big boards that we have available from draft experts. The ceiling and floor for his game. I think that his ceiling is the super athletic playmaking guard that can defend one through four uh, and eventually shoot at league average. It's like a ceiling tippity top one of 1% ceiling. He, he reaches everything in the world, which 
99.99999% of people don't do. The floor for him, like the worst case scenario, I think is that shot never comes around, which which hurts his ability to score in isolation. Uh, but he's a playmaking defender that helps your secondary unit uh, in a big way and helps become a player off your bench that patches you by in you know big games and just throughout the season. Because you're always going to deal with injuries. You're always going to deal with guys going through slumps. You're always going to deal with just, just craziness throughout an 82 games, you know, stretch plus the postseason. So having a guy who you trust to to lead a secondary group helps a lot. And I think that his defense will allow him to play uh straight away. The NBA comp that I love the most, and I think that everyone loves the most, is like a more athletic Josh Giddy, which I think is fairly you know applicable for him and, and fits him pretty well in, in the in this draft profile. So that's what we're gonna go with. Let's talk coming up. What is his role with OKC? If the Thunder were to trade up and get him, what does it look like now? What does it look like in the future? What does rotational fit look like? Who on the roster is most impacted by him? Why the Thunder should take him? Why the Thunder shouldn't take him? All coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at LLThunderPod, email the show, LLThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're breaking down Anthony Black's NBA draft profile and projection. Everything you need to know about the Arkansas playmaking, ball-handling, tall guard. And we talk Pukashevsky as well. This starts our draft dash. You get a podcast every single day, Monday through Sunday, every single day, about the NBA draft from now through the NBA draft. So make sure you stay tuned for that on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles on YouTube, and also podcasting platforms. The future role for Anthony Black this year, if he was drafted by the Thunder this year, I would love to see him in charge of that, of that second group that comes into the game, which would hinder Trey Mann's minutes, I, I believe. But with the Thunder trying to work with Trey Mann more as a catch-and-shoot guy, maybe they can play better together, uh, and 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 this then allows Trey Mann's game to get better just by by the nature of him not being like a lead ball handler and more being a secondary ball handler of that bench unit, possibly, who knows. Roster impact-wise, though, as this roster crunch comes to a head, I've always talked about, you know, who's going to be the odd people out, and I think it's more likely that it happens with the second, you know, with the second-round pick, where, like, if you draft a guy like, you know, if you draft a guy like, like Jackson, uh, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, if you draft him, Jeremiah Rumpsterl, Jay Will, and him are just totally redundant to where someone has to go and it would in all likelihood be JRE and, and it's a more smooth kind of 
who's the odd man out. You draft Anthony Black, you can make the case that Trey Mann just has no more place here. You can make the case that like just by proxy of you drafted a guard and Anthony Black, Lindy Waters is on a, a option to where it's more seamless to to move on from him, uh, you know, uh, mechanically, mechanismly, uh, more seamlessly to kind of just decline that option than work a trade or, or, or cut somebody. Uh, he would be on the hot seat at that point. But overall, why the Thunder should take Anthony Black. If they buy into that shot upside as much as I do, and they see the vision of like, hey, we put him with an NBA coaching staff, both in a developmental program in the weight room, but also on the court, I think he just becomes a beast on the defensive end because of, of all the things we listed off in the first segment. And with that defense, it leads to offense. The Thunder love to run. He helps you run. He's this versatile playmaking guard that the, that the Thunder have been looking and drafting and, and, and highlighting and, and zoning in on and helps take some of that load off of Josh Giddy and SGA whenever they always need to be on the floor for the Thunder to be successful. Maybe Anthony Black lets you dial them back just a touch to keep them and be more like a sustainable or just easy on them throughout the marathon of a season plus postseason. Why the Thunder shouldn't take them? If that shot is not appealing to them, shouldn't take them. If you don't believe that you can kind of make that shot up in the future, trading up might be too rich. Like to get up to Anthony Black's range, you might need to get as high as six, seven, or eight. That might be too rich for the Thunder's blood. And there is going to come a time here where the Thunder do shift a little bit what they look for. Like at some point, you're going to have your playmakers and you're going to need play finishers. And that might come this year. That might come next year. That might come two years from now. Even those play finishers, though, are going to need to have some some playmaking ability because of the the ideology that the Thunder are building their team on, right or wrong. They're going to need to be be versatile. They're going to need to be playmakers and and everything else. But at some point, it'll shift a little bit more towards play finishing than playmaking. Not not to say that they're ever going to draft a guy who cannot playmake at all. I don't think that that will be the case. But at some point, you're going to need a play finisher. Is that point right now? I don't think so. But it could be, and that, that would be another reason why the Thunder should not take Anthony Black because I think that if you were to trade up to where you need to get to get Anthony Black, there'd be there'd be a better mix, like a better balance. Like if over here is is playmaking and over here is play finishing, if you were to trade up to like eight or seven, there'd be somebody on the board that kind of blends the two together more than Anthony Black does and, and more efficiently than Anthony Black does for this roster. So you know maybe we'll see if this does or does not change currently. But again, this is going to be fun. The draft dash from now through the NBA draft. Tomorrow's show will be about Derek Lively. Then we'll do Ryan Repair. Then we'll do everyone's favorite topic. And I'm sure it will have just a a tame comment section. Uh, Black Lubale, who do you want to hear from next after those three on uh, the Lockdown Thunder podcast on Tuesday? Drop below in the comments. Also drop your questions below. We'll fit those into to, to podcast as well. But let's really gear down and bunker down here, hunker down. Is it bunker down or hunker down? Whatever. Let's just get ready for the NBA draft coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, So it'll be a lot of fun to do that. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 